Welcome to another episode of Books That Make Us Better. My name is Kayla Joe. I'm Megan. I'm Lydia. And I'm Jesse. So I think we accidentally took an extra week off. Yeah. Yes. We, we took some time. Life gets busy. Yeah. Schedules are hard. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. I mean, yeah, like how do you yeah, there's just no way. We can't we can't always sync up. No, but this okay. is going to be a rapid fire record, and then I'm going to, we're posting it. I'm not even going to wait for a date. It's just going on. I'm here okay, for so, that. I don't yeah, think we even need, why do we even wait for dates? Just post it. We don't. We don't. Yeah. My, one of my favorite podcasts is that. They don't have a, a drop day. They just throw it out there whenever they get to record it. And I love that because it just embraces the hecticness of life. Yeah. Well, it's a real thing. I'm here for it. Uh, first of all, I know that we're not a political podcast, but can I just say how badass the women in Ukraine are? Huh. Yeah. I mean, all the people all, straight up of Ukraine are... All of the people, yeah. They're literally fucking standing up for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zelensky's a badass. Mm-hmm. I had to get that out of my system. Yeah. Yep. I saw a news story. um, Well, prior to this news story, I saw or I was thinking about how if there were people in Russia who didn't agree with what was happening, could they even protest it? Like, is there an outlet, you know, for that or not? And then the next morning I saw a news story of people getting arrested for protesting. And I was like, oh, well, that is my question. People actually are being vocal about it. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, I can't imagine that everybody is, that's their jam. I, I just, I'm having a hard time believing that, that a well, lot of people are looking for that. It's all really interesting because I was texting Megan about this this morning, that the way that this war is being fought is so much different than some of the other wars, as far as like technology and cyber attacks and Ukraine's mm-hmm. like, we, we don't have internet. Elon Musk help us and then he's like okay <laughs> and yeah. then gives them internet like what is ha- like <laughs> could if you went back to the men who fought in world war the the OG world war mm-hmm. they would be like what is happening <laughs> yeah and i know not everything you can see on the, the internet is true but i did see a tiktok today and they were talking about how women ukrainian women are matching with russian soldiers who are in um, the Ukraine, like on Tinder or like whatever apps they have, just to like catfish them to give away their location. <gasps> yes. Like, that is real. That is some serious badass. Yes. That, that would be amazing use of technology. Yeah. Just astounding. Yeah. How about the woman that went up to the Russian soldier with sunflower seeds? Yes. And that said, when you chills, when you lay down and die on Russian soil, I look forward to seeing these grow. <laughs> yes. That's not verbatim, but it's definitely badass the way she said it. Is that real? I seriously, like the day or I don't know, the day after Russia, you know, started bombing the shit out of Ukraine. um, uh, All of my TikTok, like every third video was something like live from Ukraine or like a pre-recorded something that was happening. Um, And I was just like, Wait, 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 wait. Like, I don't normally get my news from TikTok, but I just got it because I did not know that bombs had been dropped. It was morning yet. Like, I that's like among the first things I do. And I was like, hold on. And then, you know, I had to go verify everything because I can't, you know, I can't take TikTok out of, I can't. We don't take TikTok at its word. We don't do that. Smart. So, yeah. Well, it has been 
crazy. Yeah. TikTok does have a lot of information, whether it's true or false, but really it's hard to tell whether it's TikTok or television or it's just hard to tell what's real. So, all right, let's, yeah, let's move on to something that is um, may or may not be real. Also (laughs) speaking of, (laughs) I like that segue. Let us, let us segue in. We believe the power to change lives is within ourselves. We believe with the right attitude, anything can be accomplished. We believe the amount of knowledge and insight available is limitless. But we don't think life should be taken too seriously. Books that make us better. An alpha media podcast. Where the hell are we? We're on on part four of how many? What do we got? I think there's eight. Eight parts. Eight. Yep. Um, This one is called uh, The Art of Running Downhill. Um, And from what I can gather... It feels like we're just falling into when Matthew McConaughey hits his big break, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'll just pop in. I'll just get started. Um, so he comes back from his. We finished last time with the the autobahns. So he gets back from his little biking vacation where he just does an astounding number of things for no money, and is like, "Yeah, I don't need an agent." And he's acting all cool and shit. Um, and he his guy that he's seeing with can't remember the guy's name whatever he's just like you're ready let's go find you a an agent and so like he's so far still kind of under the radar dazed and confused i was surprised to find out that it was released in limited theaters i didn't i don't know like was it just like that's a is that one of those cult films like after the fact it must be because <laughs> like I'm thinking, no, that's like a big hit movie. Evidently not. Um, And then his Texas Chainsaw Massacre had not been released yet either. So he's not really not big yet. Um, But he goes in. um, He pretty much sells himself, gets himself an agent. Um, And then so he starts signing roles right after that. Um, But then he gets in with um, Angels in the Outfield, which. I thought was going to be bigger for him, <laughs> but I don't know. So he's he's got his agent. He gets this um, big job, which is like forty eight grand, which is that is astounding to me actually. Um, so he's got a job. Blah blah blah. He and then he tells his brother, and they're like, he's like, yeah, let's go to Vegas. So now he's like he's celebrating this green light. Like he's got his agent. He's got two new gigs lined up. Now he's going to go to Vegas. And then he goes on this little rant about he how he just knows he just knew it when something is going to happen. Like if he's going to pick something to bet on, he just knows it. Um, So he, he and his brother get down to Vegas and they um I'm kind of skipping ahead because I, I felt like he, he just went on this little ramble about how he picks things based on emotion and, and he feels like he's got this like, like he's a, what's the, like a savant, you know, <laughs> like he's like, I just know I'm better than all you bookies who do this all the time. Anyway, so we're skipping over that. Uh, so he gets to Vegas. Um, he and his brother like go and do um what blackjack or something and they make up a bunch of money um and then the next day they go and they're like they go balls to the wall put down all their money except for like a hundred dollars in beer money and they're like yep we just know like this is how it's gonna be well they like they bet 
on the Super Bowl, which was Cowboys versus the Bills. And they did bet right on. I guess I thought that they bet on the Cowboys. But now that I'm reading it a little closer, they definitely didn't. They went the other way. Um, Anyway, lost all their money. I don't know what the moral of the story was. (laughs) They didn't know. They just like they put down a bunch of money, lost it all, um, got chewed out by their cab driver back to their hotel room and then they were like what the fuck you're driving a cab like fuck off you knew but you're driving a cab so like (laughs) i don't know i felt like this was like he pretty much just like had this great big win and then just goes to vegas and fucking tanks it so it ends with this bumper sticker of most of the time it's not stolen it's right where you left it um so I don't know. I I felt like that was a really weird little like segue into how he like makes it. I'm not sure. It was a weird segue in his life to me. Lydia looks like she's got something to say. No, I agree with you. I feel like I don't know where it fits in with everything. I don't know. Other than, yeah. other than like he was so confident in himself mm-hmm. and then you know, maybe it was a, a time when he realized he shouldn't just assume he knows everything. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Like maybe maybe you don't know everything and maybe you don't just know. Yeah. Yeah. There I'm, was um, I hate to go back to this, but I'm going to for a second. There was this TikTok, <laughs> and on the bottom it said Matthew McConaughey amping up whatever Texas football game it was. Okay, it literally, literally was Matthew McConaughey on the sidelines doing this. That's all he was doing. He was just doing like the fist bump. Mm -hmm. And it was like this whole 30 second TikTok about Matthew McConaughey amping up the stands and like he's shaking his arms. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, I've seen a few women TikTokers who will stitch the men that like do nothing in their like where is that viral TikTok videos. And that's what I I felt like this was like, Matthew, you're not doing anything like you're just standing there. It's a testament to his big fame. That he doesn't. That all he has to do is stand. Yeah, mm-hmm. like what the fuck? Yeah, must be nice. Yeah, it was so strange. And I did know it was Matthew McConaughey, not Owen Wilson. If was anyone was wondering, uh, <laughs> it was. Did you know because it was like hashtag Matthew McConaughey? Is that well, how you knew? <laughs> it said Matthew McConaughey on the bottom before I looked up. No. Oh, good. Yeah, not by his face. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I knew Ooh, before I knew, this? but. <laughs> Anyway, agree with everything um, you just said. Yeah. So just a weird segue. I don't know. He didn't, you know, maybe he learned a little lesson like, eh, like you, maybe you don't know everything. So he gets back to Hollywood after losing all his money um, and he goes to shooting angels in the outfield, which I was surprised to learn was they were not shooting in Iowa. I was confused by that because I guess I thought angels in the outfield was in Iowa. No, isn't, that, isn't, isn't Angels in the Outfield the one with that dude that ended up being in American Pie, and he like gets like the Angels help him play? It's got like Danny Glover in it. Maybe I'm thinking. Like, what's the one in? 
Oh, Field, Field of, of Dreams. Dreams. Field of Dreams. Yeah. Sorry, you had everybody. So oh my god. Like, oh my god. <laughs> sorry, sorry, everybody. Oh my god. We. I know we don't have a huge listener base, but I feel very embarrassed, and I think you should include that because I feel like a fucking dumbass right now. That May I just nice. say, oh, oh. <laughs> that needs to be Kayla's like description for the episode or yeah. her Facebook. Um, Yes. Like a uh, description. Not yeah, that we're it. telling you what to do, but can you do that? Yep. Oh, got it. Oh. <laughs> Anywho, so he's back doing Angels in the Outfield and a um, movie cl- clearly I've not watched. Not sorry. Um, and so he, um, let's see, he's like, he's like confident in his dude. He gets it. No problem. Then they go to Arizona. Um, he's moving on to Arizona now. So um, this is where he's shooting boys on the side. Literally never heard of that. Um, but he's the more important part is that he's staying um, instead of in a hotel. He's staying in this cute little Adobe guest house. And it's on the edge of a national park, uh, Sagaro National Park. And he's he rescued a dog. He's living life. He's got a maid for this little guest house. And he's just like, he's so happy. So, um, him with his, he's made like 200 grand and he inside two months is what I'm going to guess here. So like, he's, he's fine. Um, so he's got his friend Beth over and he's just telling her about all these great things. And he's like, the maid this is so important to me like she cleans my place after i go to work washes my clothes does the dishes puts fresh water by my bed leaves me cooked meals and she even presses my jeans and he's like holding these jeans up and and in my head i was like ew i hated that people did that in the 90s my parents totally ironed their jeans and i still don't even understand that anyway his friend beth is like hey that's great matthew if you want your jeans pressed which I think is hilarious because it's like, it's totally that. Like, is this what you wanted? Did you know that you wanted that? Or is it just like, you got it. And so now you want it. And like, now you need everything. So he hadn't actually thought about that before. Um, and he ends with a little bumper stick. When you can ask yourself if you want to before you do, which I like that because, yeah, like just because you can doesn't mean you should, as they say. Um, so I thought that was a very interesting little tidbit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next, I think we're moving on to, am I, am I still moving on? Is it still me? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. You girl. It's still me. Okay. So moving on. Um, after that movie, he feels like he has this like, moment where he thinks that he's he doesn't get any roles he does a whole bunch of auditions doesn't get any roles and thinks he's being too intellectual um and like he's putting too much effort into it um he had been taking acting classes but now he's quit them because he thinks that he's putting like too much thought into it and like his creativity got him here so like he should be you know he should use his creativity more so Finally, he gets this um, offer for a minor role in a little independent film called Scorpion Spring. Um, And he decided, I'm going to be creative with this one. And um, I'm not going to do what I always do. And he didn't look at the script. um, And he just decided, like, I'm going to go based on my character, like, how I should be. So he'd improvise all these other things and all these other roles. And he thought, whatever, it served me well. So I'm just going to do it. Um, so 
he has his his man is um, an American drug runner in South Texas who meets up with the Mexican coyotes smuggling his dope back into the States. Um, And then they renege on the deal. Um, or, or he reneges on the deal, doesn't pay for the smuggled drugs, and instead kills the smugglers and takes the cocaine for free. And he's like, that's it. That's all I need to know. I'm just going to be that guy. Um, so he's, like, confident, knows this man. Um, he gets to set. Somebody hands him something that's like, what did they fucking say? They were like, just a couple sides, which I don't understand what that means. I probably It's a miniature that. version of the scripted scene. Uh. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So he's got a miniature version of the scripted scene. (laughs) And um, he thinks like seconds before they say action. He's like, "Uh, maybe I'll just have a look at this. So he just looks at it and folds it. He gets uh, four pages in of a monologue in Spanish. And he's like, fuck. Like, I mean, this is fucking hilarious to me. Um, And he like, can I have 12 minutes? And he thinks like 12 minutes is going to fucking save him. Dude, like, hasn't spoken Spanish since he was in high school, evidently. Um, But he's going to fucking do it, evidently. Um, And he, he took his 12 minutes, went in there, spit it out as best as he could, left. He never watched the movie. Now I want to go find that scene and just see, like, I don't know Spanish, but I want to see how bad it is. <laughs> like, I want to know. Um, so he learned a valuable lesson that day. Um, and I will just read what I highlighted. We have to prepare to have freedom. We have to do the work to then do the job. We have to prepare for the job so we can be free to do the work. <laughs> Knowing my man does not mean I know Spanish. Um, yeah, that's a good life lesson. Like, I am a huge procrastinator and sometimes I like to go into things without planning um, but it hasn't always served me well and I I try not to do that because I've been burned too many times so check mark good lesson prep I can feel the anxiety of what I would feel mm-hmm. if I had done this to myself because there has um for sure been times in my life where I've thought I was prepared for something and then I look at something differently or I read something differently and I was like, Oh, I wasn't prepared. And I thought it was. So I feel like I can literally just feel what he felt and it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I I appreciate that this lesson is clearly laid out because (laughs) <laughs> not always the case in this book breach this one is though yeah which i greatly appreciate all right so now we get into uh, a time to kill so uh, a few months later apparently matthew mcconaughey had quit the acting classes classes but he learned his lessons he was back on the warner brothers lot uh in director joe schumacher's office to discuss a possible role in a time to kill which was based on a book by john grisham um i've never seen this movie or read this book so i don't know a lot i don't do a lot of movies so it's it's um intense this one is okay a lot of a lot of this doesn't mean a lot to me but i'm just gonna keep i'm gonna keep on going and so he were they were meeting to discuss the part of Freddie Lee Cobb, who was the young head of a Ku Klux Klan in the small Mississippi town. And so anyway, he wanted to breathe he wanted to be the main, like the lead. And um 
basically he was like yeah maybe i could do that part but what i would really like to play is jake brigance is that how you say that jake brigance yeah, in uh, my head i was saying brigance oh i was saying brigance. but, but it could be brigance okay literally no idea yeah so um Basically, Joel burst in into laughter and was like, yeah, that's a great idea, but it's never going to happen. The studio will never put a relatively unknown actor into the lead role. Um, so this I'm going to read. We don't always read these, but I really liked this one. I don't know. It's like a little poemy type deal called If Only. Means you wanted something, but you did not get it. For some reason, either by your own incompetence or the world's intervention, it did not happen. Sometimes this is just the breaks and we need to bow out gracefully. But more often than we care to admit, we don't get what we want because we quit early or we didn't take the necessary risk to get it. The more boots we put in in the backside of our if onlys, the more we will get what we want. Don't walk the it's too late, it's too soon tightrope until you die. So I kind of liked that one. I thought yeah. that was cool. So apparently Sandra Bullock gets cast as the Ellen Rourke in A Time to Kill. And she had just kind of risen to fame. So at this point, they were like, oh, maybe someone that's less well-known could play this role of Mr. Brigance. And uh, it turned out that John Grisham also had casting approval of the role. And um, it was Mother's Day. And he talked to his mom. His mom said, don't walk in there like you want the role, Matthew. Walk in there like you own it. Because they said, hey, come uh, screen test for this role. So he, then I'm going to read this one as well. Made for the moment. We are all made for every moment we encounter. Whether the moment makes us or we make the moment. Whether we are helpless in it or on top of it. The predator or the prey. We are made for that moment. So basically, a black car picked him up. And he took the the screen print or the screen write that he had actually read and memorized. And he did the whole thing and they said, well, that was good. But how would you say it? Like if you were really this character, put down the script and basically he painted a cringeworthy pictures of a child's lost innocent with bloody words. He said that could have put me in jail alongside those I was condemning. He said he got sick to his stomach. He got violent. He broke a sweat. He nailed it two weeks later, working on the set of Lone Star in Eagle Pass, Texas. In the full moon desert at midnight, I got a phone call. It was Joel Schumacher and John Grisham. You want to be Jake Brigance? You're damn right I do. So there you have it. And then there's a very fancy photo of him, I would assume, as Jake Brigance. Yes. I do feel like I need to watch this movie now. This this is the only thing like it's that's great. happening for me. I I know that it's intense, but I've never actually watched it. So now I think yeah. I need to. Like I've I was just going through my books last week and I found my copy of A Time to Kill and it I was like, oh my gosh, I should read this again now that we're talking about this. But um it's a great movie and it's a great book. Mm. I, but I like John Grisham books. Yeah. So. He's a I, great writer. I've never written written I've never written John Grisham. You've never written? Well, or how, read. About, how about Redden? Nope, never Redden. Never Redden any John Grisham either. He writes good books like The Rainmaker. Yeah, he's a good. That writer. one also became a movie, I think. Good hmm. books. Well, anyway, do I have this next part still too? Um, We're still talking okay. time to kill, so maybe. Ah, yes. Um, well, he went to the deli. 
He got a tuna fish sandwich on toasted sourdough with extra pickles and ketchup on the side. All of that feels gross to me. Uh, He said it was just like any other stroll down the promenade. 400 or so people milling about. 396 made nothing of me, but four did. A few girls who thought I was cute and one dude who liked my shoes. Uh, That night, a Time to Kill premiered in theaters, apparently, and grossed $15 million in its opening weekend. And then the following Monday, he went back to the promenade to get another tuna fish sandwich. Um... And this time, 400 people are so milling about, 396 stared at him. Four did not. Three babies and a blind man. <laughs> okay, that's actually pretty funny. Good on you, Matthew McConaughey. Um, anyway, he said this was the moment he realized he was famous. So, that's that. So, that's that. Mm-hmm. And now, all he has to do is stand in front of a football crowd, pump his, pump his arm, do nothing. <laughs> That's all he's got to do. He's famous, baby. Now, now it's technically um, Jesse's turn. <laughs> yeah, I was like, she's reading my part. Thank you. <laughs> I did. Yeah, Sorry. I was on Facebook. Because I told her to keep going. It's my fault. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I'm a team player. I'm a team player. Sit, yeah, sit in the background and uh, hang out. Sorry, JP. Nope. No apologies necessary. Um. So next, uh, Matthew starts to kind of struggle with his fame and how to process it. And he's just got a lot of inner turmoil with how to like kind of work through this. And so he decides to take a trip to a monastery in the New Mexican desert that had been recommended uh, as a place that he could readjust uh, his perspective. Um, He gets dropped off at this monastery where you have to walk quite a ways down a typically washed out road to get there. Um, And it takes him some time to get down this road and he gets there, rings the bell and brother Andre greets him and welcomes him in and tells him that all travelers have a place to stay. He took some time to get washed up and uh, attended the group dinner. Um, And there no one spoke except for the Psalms that were being read. Um, And he went to bed the next day. Brother Andre introduced him to another brother, uh, brother Christian, I believe. And uh, they went on this like four hour walk where Matthew McConaughey just spilled his guts about how he felt um, and was like basically a four hour long confession. And at the end of it, he really didn't get any like reply from brother Christian other than kind of a look that was like, you know, me too. And sometimes we don't need advice. Sometimes we just need to hear that we're not alone. So that was his kind of big take from the monastery, I guess. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how long he really stayed there. It didn't really say. No, it didn't. So that was um, one of his many kind of, I think, trips to find himself. I think this is kind of a reoccurring theme with Matthew. He likes to go somewhere to reconnect like with himself and his thoughts and perspective and which I think is very like I think it is helpful for people to get out of their element and get lend themselves new perspectives somewhere else um and then he goes into a story about continuing on with this struggle with fame but he's still kind of like not knowing how to handle it but his mother is definitely struggling 
with his newfound fame. Um, and he gets a phone call from, uh, I think, a friend that asks, you know, hey, man, are you are you watching this? Are you seeing this? And Matthew really doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, yeah, hard copy. And I actually laughed out loud when I read that part because I remember that show. Yeah. Does anybody else remember <laughs> yes. hard copy? I do not. You don't um, remember a hard no. copy? I don't. I'm pretty sure my parents did not. I feel that. like it was like the very first version of like Inside Edition. Does anybody so, watch that show? I mean, it has yes, to be. That's what I yeah. think. So, like, it was, like, Inside Edition and, like, TMZ. It was, like... Just from the description of, like, the tiny tiny little blurb that they have here, I'm, like, this is Inside Edition, for sure. Or, like, yeah, TMZ. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's, like, this totally, like, not news news, and it's done so, like... I don't know how to even describe it, but it is like addicting to watch. So um, he ends up turning on the TV and it's his mom on hard copy giving a guided tour of their house and pointing out like very like, I don't know, just weird things like, oh, this is the bed where he lost his virginity. I think it was to (laughs) Melissa, but she doesn't matter anymore. And uh, talking about like his shower and it's not a tub and you know what I caught him doing in there. Ha ha ha. So just like total embarrassing stuff on hard copy. And Matthew calls his mom and is just like, mom, like, what are you doing? Are you like, are you're watching this right now? I can hear it in the background. Like, and she's, you know, why would you do this? And she's like, oh, I didn't think you find you would find out. And he's like, how am I not going to find out? It's on national TV. Um, And like that particular moment really kind of broke their relationship I think he says for about eight years he just you know really couldn't trust her with any you know information or any you know uh, just even sharing anything personal because she was so into the bit of fame that she could get by being his mother and instead of just being his mother she wanted to be his famous mother and he had a lot of resentment towards that and really just wished kind of I think that his dad was still around um, because he knew his dad would have been there for him in the front row not trying to steal the show like his mother was Um, and so it took him a final you know few years to finally kind of get over it and now he just kind of goes with it and lets her embrace it. She loves the red carpet doing interviews and telling the world uh, she knows where I got, I get it from and saying that it was from her. So I think he finally just let her soak it all in and is over trying to fight it. Um, the little bumper sticker at the end of this was pretty good. It says the art of running downhill. Uh, don't trip yourself while running downhill. The mountain you want to climb, it's just around the corner. Don't invent drama. It will come on its own. I feel like that is very relatable. Yeah, I like that one. I like oh, it yeah. too. It felt very relatable. <laughs> yes, just like I also want to watch this hard copy now. Yes, <laughs> just making a list of shit to watch over here. <laughs> yes. gonna, like we're gonna find it on YouTube. No, sure. <laughs> yeah, I think we could. <laughs> so, wow, yeah, I think that was that my last. I think so. Um, unless oh. you want to take any of my pages. No, I'm good. You can have them. <laughs> <laughs> a part-time palmer over here <laughs> part-time palmer so um at this point it's been a few months past um a time to kill and he has a three-picture deal with warner brothers who made a time to kill but um he can't quite decide what he wants to do he has created a production company so that he can um also create some content but he's just really struggling 
with um, finding a project that he cares about. And he's struggling with um, trying to figure out if people like him for him or do they like him because now he's this big movie star. And um, he needed like he needs to find a way to convince or to like learn whether or not um, Matthew as a person deserves what he's getting or is it just because he's Matthew, this big actor now? So um, as this is kind of his crisis he's going through, he has um, another one of his wet dreams that uh, have him, you know, cruising down, what is it, the Amazon River, um, wrapped in anacondas and pythons, which is such a gross visual. And um, so he has, you know, he decides he needs to go on another trip because he's already been on the amazon river no right is that right or am i wrong no anywho i don't know okay so anywho he goes on on another trip because he needs to figure out why he had this dream and um he basically needs to just figure out his life he goes to the amazon he went to africa previous previously when he had his first dream got it so anywho he meets his guide and he's in the Amazon. Um, and he's like hiking like 80 miles. And he's fu- he's finally getting to the water that he would have been floating down in his dream. Um, and he's just have, like he's he, he's in this tent grappling with his demons. He can't sleep. Um, so he strips off his clothes and he discarded his American baseball cap. Like he says, that's his totem to patriotism. He just like basically takes off everything that he wears that he feels like ties him to something like the Celtic knot that he wears for his Irish heritage. Um, some Lone Star flag amulet for his Texas pride. He just like took everything off and... Um, Oh, hey, he even punched himself in the face a couple times. I highlighted that part because that's just, you know, just that level. This was the next level. Like, we didn't get the picture enough, but he also punched himself in the face. I need to know why that was even necessary. Like, why do we got to bring that to the table? Maybe he needed to feel something. I don't know. Mm, That could be. (laughs) Often that's what I do when I need to feel something. Just Just punch yourself in the face. Yeah, so... He's like, you know, he's like wondering, who am I? Like, not just in this trip, but on this life. So now he's naked. He's stripped down to nothing. And he says, I was only a child of God and nothing more. Soaked in cold sweat, he vomited until there was no bile left in his belly. And then he passed out. So was ayahuasca involved in any of this? Because this seems like ayahuasca maybe would have been involved. You Maybe. He doesn't specifically say that, but I don't know what ayahuasca is but there was ecstasy involved there was he brought ecstasy okay that explains a lot yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and say yeah it was made ecstasy driven yeah had to there's a nice little uh bumper sticker here that says sometimes we have to leave what we know to find out what we know which is like super like that's a great lesson obviously yeah i mean we can like totally get caught up yeah but so yeah by the time he hits his 13th day he feels um fresh and re-energized he feels like he's kind of come to a point where he knows himself again and um he's come up to, he's like come up to a point in the jungle 
where there's just thousands of of butterflies and it was just this like beautiful moment for him and he says he's like no longer in a rush to get anywhere or anticipating what's around the corner he's just enjoying this moment and then he sees the amazon river so at that point he finally felt at ease over after all this time so then he returns to camp a few hours later to pack to continue on his journey um his guide calls out to him in spanish which i will not try to read the spanish i will only tell you the english and that is you are light matthew you are light so he feels like at this point he's like let go of what he was carrying around his confusion is gone um he felt like he he had to pay a penance, which I don't quite understand, but he feels like he's done that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did actually float n- naked on his back down the Amazon River because obviously Matthew McConaughey likes to be naked. We know this by the, at this point. And he um, also wants his dick bit off with piranhas, but that's oh right. Like I mean, that's all I could think is like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> this can't be real. Yeah. Speaking of another level, <laughs> you're gonna lose all your dangly bits, man. Oh, dangly oh. Bits. <laughs> Not your dangly bits, oh, man. So he's in this at, at this point of a story. He says, you know, how do we know when we cross a truth or a truth crosses us? I believe the truth is all around us all the time. The anonymous angels, the butterflies, the answers are always right there, but we don't always identify grasp hear see or access them because we're not in the right place to we have to make a plan Mm -hmm. i liked that and i can agree with it it was like a nice little tie-up for his experience that he that we needed so now he returns to hollywood he makes the movie contact which he received some pushback because um it was just such a different movie and um People thought he was taking the girl's role, which I don't really understand the Hollywood lingo in that way. But apparently people thought he should have probably had like a higher build um, role in the movie because he wasn't like the star, you know, the huge star in it. So anyways, after this movie, he has decided he needs to explore the, the country via the roads. So he buys himself this van and he tricks it out to suit his needs. And he and his dog um, just like drive around and hit up different places. They um, either sleep in the van or in motels. Um, so then after a few months of that, they decide or he decides that he needs to upgrade his lifestyle on the road. So he purchases a 28 foot Airstream international hooks it up to the back of the van. I'm assuming. And then they tow it all over the country with them. So he enjoys this life. He feels like um, the people who also live this kind of lifestyle have, have these like ways or these um, rules that they all live by. Everyone respects each other. Um, Nobody really bothers one another. And there's, you know, like rules of um, giving people their space unless they have the hood up of their truck. And that means that they're open for conversation. Um, It's just kind of cool to like read that part where he just like really immerses himself in that life. And um, uh, he he, uh, even talks about how he's 
staying in um, Canada on the Squamish Native Indian Reserve and a paparazzi finds out and like gets a spot and starts camping there too. And the, um, the chief hunt who is the, uh, uh, person in charge here of this Indian reserve, he like kicks the paparazzi out and tells him like, no, you're interfering with, with one of our brothers and this isn't how we live here. And, um, so he bonds with the people on this reserve and when he's done, they give him a parting gift of a hand carved canoe paddle and it is engraved with the Squamish, Squamish nations, Thunderbird symbol. And, um, Chief Hunt tells him that the paddle is what gives the Squamish nation its direction on the water. So he says, you know, may this be your compass. So now he has this um, and he names his uh, airstream the canoe because it's, you know, taken him all over the country. Um, And then so he's I don't really know how much time he spends on the road because he doesn't really talk about that. But um, anyway, he's in another space here in Montana. And this story is another one that I don't quite get why it's here. But if you ladies, you know, determine what it's supposed to mean, please tell me. So he he finds a spot that's kind of like off the road that tells you that there's some camping. So it ends up being land that is uh, also attached to like a tavern. And um, the owner tells him he can like, like pick a spot. There's plenty of room. Um, He gets recognized here and he talks about like he, he he makes it clear to the people that um, yeah, I'm Matthew McConaughey, but I'm not here to entertain you. Like I'm just here to like live my life. So everyone respects that. He has a great evening with these people in the tavern. He talks about the different kind of people he's met. Um, the what I thought was like super adorable. The dad and his son, who the son calls all the the uh, women who work in there like sweetie or honey, and they gently remind him of their name and say you can call me by my name and so finally Matthew asks why he 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 doesn't do that and the dad said or is it his uncle maybe I'm sorry it might be his uncle but anyways he tells him that um this guy lost his wife two weeks after that they were married and he comes in here every night practically he doesn't remember any of the well he calls them barmaids names um, hasn't remembered or been able to say any woman's name since. And like that broke my heart because those are the kind of stories that like, you just want someone to be happy and he lost his wife. So anywho, little, little sidebar here. Um, but no, go ahead. ahead. This part about him just traveling around, um, it reminds me of a much more glamorous version of Nomadland from, you know, Netflix had that show. Did you guys watch that? No. It was, that was less glamorous. Hers was, it was a story about a woman who traveled all around in a van, um, like just finding work. Cause you know, there's a lot of people that do that. Like, like, Uh I mean, I think a lot of retired people were doing that, that they were just going to like Amazon warehouse to Amazon warehouse for the season or whatever. Anyway, this reminded me of that, but way more glamorous. That's all. I like, yeah. Um, he, 
wraps up this little this little story because um he had wanted when he first arrived which i didn't mention he had wanted a spot with like the bright open sky to just relax hang out with his dog and like not really interact that didn't happen he didn't have that spot but he it's it ended up being like a, a great experience for him and he was glad that there wasn't a spot that he could just um like like isolate into so i imagine again i feel like he's talking about how we can like go into something with one idea of what we want and if it doesn't work out life can still end up giving you beautiful moments if you're open to them and really so he ends this part with talking about the freedoms of trailer life and you can hitch up, leave, get a new backyard whenever you want. Um, he met amazing people along the way. Um, and he, he got a PO box. So he was able to like get the mail he needed, but he really just lived for a while. Um, like if there was a, a baseball game he wanted to go to, he would drive to it. And if there happened to be a concert nearby, he would just, drive to that one after the game like he just really enjoyed jumping around and he found a lot of peace in that life so good for him yeah i can i do kind of love that actually that he like instead of like he's he's, he's recognized and instead of him like I don't know, finding a place like in settling in like a home and like hiding, you know, he just goes out there and he fucking lives his life because he can. I actually kind of respect that. Yeah, me too. Aside from all the weirdness that I some respect. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and he had this like what this white collar prayers, which I won't read that, but I'll like just talk about it. But he makes a great point that like blue collar he calls them like blue collar prayers people pray for things that they need like um i need a doctor because i'm sick i'm hungry i need food and then he talks about white collar prayers and that is praying for the things that we want like help me win this game um make mama buy me that dress give me an oscar nomination and he says we need to quit asking god for to answer these types of prayers he's too busy trying to help people you know get new tires or get food and um i liked that perspective because how easy it is to like make a request like that out to god or to the universe or whatever it is that you do and it can be so selfish because you're just not looking at how somebody else's life can be so i liked it well, and I, not to bring it back to this, but think that everything going on globally is a good reminder of like, you know, yesterday I got to drive out and go to the grocery store and yeah. load my groceries outside and didn't worry about my husband at home or my son at home or anything mm-hmm. on the road. And like, there's people in another part of the world right now that are literally like fearing for their lives or the lives of their children or family. Right. Yeah, yeah I've never, um, like, had to, oh, yeah, ahead. I've never had to, like, keep my kids protected in that way. No. I mean, we have our own things to protect our kids from, but, like, like an airstrike or hearing bombs go off and try to keep yeah. them calm while you yourself, you know, doesn't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. I, that's a level that I can't um, wrap my head around, and, yeah, I don't know. For sure. Like, I mean, I feel like... 
as caretakers or mothers of like we we understand that like constant worry or fear that I mean maybe not everyone has this and it's probably just a little bit of my anxiety but like that's a thing like I even just worrying like about my kids but now like I have friends who are in Germany and I know Germany and Ukraine are not that close um but I don't know Putin just seems a little fucking unhinged and so like I'm a height of worry for them now too because I'm just like I mean they might as well be family and I don't like I don't want anything to happen to them but then you have to think about like there are people who are actually family in Ukraine and yeah yeah I don't know I yeah (laughs) we're lucky we're lucky and we forget it frequently So part four in the books. Yeah. And maybe the next time we record a podcast, uh, it'll all be over. That'd be sweet. I would love that. Maybe we can all pray to the whoever or throw some thoughts out there to the good good karma vibes. Maybe we can find an end. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be beautiful. Oh, for sure. Matthew McConaughey getting us there, keeping it real. How about that? <laughs> Always surprising me. 